So I just got back from Las Vegas. No, not that. How about a large prince? <laughs> so I just got in from Las Vegas about an hour ago. And you know, you, know, you guys know what they say about Las Vegas, right? No, no, but that's not true. That is so untrue. What happens there stays there. No, what, what they say is, is come on vacation, leave on probation. That's what they say, right? I mean, all the things you can do in Vegas to get in trouble, holy cow. That's crazy, you know? Um, but it's nice, just, it was just a quick breeze through for me, get to the airport, you know, jump on an airplane with a couple of my grandkids and, and head on home. Um, thank you. There you go. The best laid plans. So tonight we are in Hebrews 11, and I'm excited as we're going through Hebrews because we're getting closer to all the really good stuff in Hebrews that I totally love. Uh, but tonight is a pretty, I think, important section of Hebrews because the Bible, the author in this particular section of Hebrews is going to talk about people who have made a difference, people who have made a mark, right? And that is important to us because if you're in jail, you're, I don't know if you're hashtagging on the wall, right? I, I know a guy that spent many, many years in, in prison, and he, every year he would get another, another headstone on his back with the year, showing all of the dead years of his life that he spent in prison. And, you know, I, I've, I've made it, I've picked no bones Hebrews, all right, that I, I really, I, you know, I, I like Naked and Afraid. It's a cool show. You know, it really pushes you and sees, uh, you can see what you're made of on there. They, they, they carve a notch on a tree every time a day goes by, right? That's their mark of time. So my question to us, my question to myself, my question to you is what are we doing? Has anybody ever heard of Alfred Nobel? A few of you. Has anybody ever heard of the Nobel Peace Prize? Yes, yes. See, now, now see what I'm saying? Now, everybody in this room can say, yes, I've heard of the Nobel Peace Prize, right? But most of you will admit and say, I don't know who Alfred Nobel is. Well, Alfred Nobel is the inventor of the Nobel Peace Prize, and that's what he is what? That's what he's known for, right? Even if you don't know his name, you know of him because of the Nobel Peace Prize, well, the interesting backstory to that is, and the reason I bring that up, is Alfred Nobel was also the inventor of dynamite, right? So dynamite is what? It's destructive. His invention was used to kill so many people that that later in his life, that concerned him. He said, wait a minute, I'm going to be known for death and destruction, for doom, for ending people's lives, for ending people's dreams, for ending everything. Is that how I want to be remembered? And obviously it wasn't. So he invented the Nobel Peace Prize so he could honor people who have done really good or even great things to bring peace into our community peace into our country, and peace across the world. So he made his mark in this world. And you may be sitting here tonight saying, well, I'm in a program, or I, I just come to this church. What kind of mark can I make? Well, you can make a mark. You can make a difference. 
You can leave a legacy. You can help somebody that's going to help. You don't know what your actions are going to do, do you? You don't. You have no clue if the person you were generous to was generous to somebody who was generous to somebody who changed somebody's life, who in turn changed a great deal of other people's lives or changed the world. Who was the guy that witnessed to Billy Graham? I don't know. But look what, the, look what difference Billy Graham made in this world. You see what I'm saying? So what I want to ask you guys today is as you're looking at yourself, what can I do? What can Joe Blow or Jane Blow here do? I'm just me. What difference can I make in the world? Well, I will say to you as we go through this, this text, these people that we're going to be talking about simply answered God's calling so they didn't per se do something, but God did something through them. Do you know what I mean? The answer is not, well, what really cool or really great thing I can, what, what really cool or really great thing can I do to leave a mark on this world? The, the question is more, how can God use me to make a mark on this world? Because you yourself, you're not going to make a very good just mark on the world. You know, we want, if, if, if God is going to use us mightily, we want him to leave a mark on the world. As we go through Hebrews 11, it says, now, by faith, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things seen. We, we all hope, don't we? Don't we hope? We hope that we get a better job. We hope that we become nicer. We hope that we uh, uh, um, are successful in our sobriety. We, we want a good job. We want a good partner in life. We want our kids to be good. We want to have a good relationship with our family. We want, I would like to say world peace, but this world is going crazy right now. Do you know what I'm saying? It's going insanely crazy. And by faith, all I can do, yeah, I was watching the news over the weekend and I was fired up. I mean, I was like fired up. Like, how can you do this to these people? But what, what can I do? By faith, I can pray, okay? I can't necessarily see what I'm praying for, but my hope is, as it says, is that peace will come. Well, did that, become, that be, did that come just because I prayed? I don't know. But I should pray and hope that God uses that along with the prayers of all the other saints all over this world to bring peace into this world. Amen? It says, in the conviction of things not seen. Have you ever been convicted I think most of us were convicted probably of the life that we were living, right? We're like, ah, I am a, could anybody say they were a mess? A disaster, right? And so it's that conviction that comes in where like it, it convicts your spirit and it's like it's time to change, right? Because addiction is the most selfish thing on the entire planet because it's all about me. It's all about the things that I want. It's about how I feel or how I hurt or how I'm happy or I'm sad. It doesn't even take into account how everybody else around me feels because addiction says I only care about myself and I only want to make sure that I am not feeling pain. Everybody else around me, if you want to feel pain, go for it, right? But that's just a selfish thing that we do. We don't intentionally do it. I never intentionally set out to hurt anybody around me. It's just the... the the selfishness of my addiction allowed that to happen, and it did hurt many, many people around me. Um, 
3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that we, I, I've never been to Zion National Park in my life. You know, I, I, you know, I'm not a guy that drives around to national parks, but I'm in Utah, and my son is like, hey, Dad, we got to go to Zion National Park. And I was just in awe, in absolute awe of the creation and the stunning beauty of this world. It's insane. It's like, holy cow. It's, it, it, God shows us, if you don't believe in God, or you don't believe in a creator, then look around and tell me, how did all this stuff get here? Did it just happen? Is it magic? Did it just poof come out of, of nothing? Is it the Big Bang? Right? Well, the problem with the Big, ba- the big Bang is if you believe their theory, they believe that things are getting better. And we know, any person knows that things are only getting worse. Right? If I don't mow my lawn, is it going to get better? Right? If we don't maintain this building, is it going to get better? No, it's going to fall apart, right? So we know this is, it's just craziness what some people believe. So by faith, I believe that, that, that God did what God said he was doing. So um, by faith, Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Now, that always, like, troubled me. Like, they both offered sacrifices, and God preferred one over the other. I'm like, well... They both went out of their way to offer a sacrifice. So why was one rejected and one, why was one approved? Well, if we look back at, we, at Ernst that we've been talking about for the past several weeks about they finally abolished the law because it was like blood sacrifice after blood sacrifice after blood sacrifice after blood sacrifice after blood sacrifice. I mean, I probably, God knew that they were going to run out of animals, right? It's like, we, we got it. This is ridiculous. We got to figure out a, there's got to be a better way. So I would have to believe that Cain and Abel knew what a sacrifice was, right? It doesn't specifically say that, but it's pretty well understood that everybody of that time or anybody even in the time before knew that, that a sacrifice was a blood sacrifice, so if we take Cain and Abel, right, Abel offered what? Can somebody tell me? What was that? His first. There, he offered a blood sacrifice. He offered a, a something from his herd, something without blemish, right? Cain offered something. He was a farmer, he, so he offered something from the land. So there's no, there, there's no blood in a carrot, or in a turnip, or I don't, it doesn't say what he offered. All it says was that he, he was a farmer and he offered some of his first fruits of the land. And so we, we believe that that's, or we know that that's why the sacrifice was rejected, because it wasn't a sacrifice that God found acceptable. He wanted, uh, you know, it had to be like a life for a life. I mean, that's just what it was back then. So that's, just, that's what he expected And he got that from one, right? But he didn't get that from the other. So he rejected one. And we know what that caused. That caused strife. Anybody ever been in strife? Anybody? Right? So, well, yours is better than mine, right? Like, 
Like in the girls in the girls' house, we got these incredible cooks. But we we have pasole wars, right? <laughs> All right, and menudo wars. You know, my pasole is better than your pasole, right? <laughs> I love that because I, you know, I mean. They have to. They always bring me some, so you know I'm all right with that. I mean, let's keep let's keep those pasole wars and the menudo wars and the tortilla wars and the, uh, let's keep all let's keep all those going. But here, God preferred one sacrifice over the other, so that created anger. It created jealousy, and we know that that created the first murder. That his that that uh, Cain rose up and killed his brother Abel. Out of, out of jealousy, out of, out of anger. And that, that is something we know historically that we, we shouldn't do. We are supposed to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. We're also supposed to lo- love our brother as, as what? As ourselves. We're, so we're supposed to love one another, right? Sometimes it's just hard even to like somebody, isn't it? Right? But let me get something clear. You can maybe have trouble liking somebody, but still have a love for them. You know what I'm saying? Man, you, man, you drive me crazy. Like, you know, we're going to be bunkmates for a year? Man, this is just no way. But we can also say, but if I'm looking at this relationship through the lens or through the eyes of God, I may not like you very much, and I'm looking at a couple um, over here that... Love, hate, man. Mom one day, dead daughter the next day. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. But I love watching God work in relationships. I like watching God remove that friction and create love. You know, because let's say if you don't necessarily like somebody, if you love them because Christ loves them, eventually, Scripture says, where your treasures are, there your heart will be also. So throw some treasure over there. Really, put some treasure into that relationship, and eventually it's going to pull your heart over there, and you're going to have, maybe, maybe it'll just start with a little bit of compassion for that person. You know. And the funny thing is, is when we don't really like somebody, it's because they're just like us, and we're seeing things in them that we can't stand in ourselves. And we're like, no, yes, yeah, absolutely, That's, that is true. Um, that's it. I said it was true, so it's true. Amen. All right. So it says that Abel offered a, a, offered a sacrifice more acceptable to, to, than Cain, though which he was commended as a righteous God, uh, commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith and through, his, through he died, he still speaks. So basically his blood still speaks out from the grave. He did a righteous thing and was killed for it. We see that happen all the time, don't we? We can see it in, in, in the current events of today where, where people feel like they're just being killed because of who they are, because somebody wants what they have. It's, it's, the, it's the horrible truth of the world that we live in because we know that there is an enemy. We know that if there is a heaven, then we know that there is a hell. If we know that there is good, we also know darn well that there is evil, Amen. And that's just it. And, um, so he died. He still, it still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. Enoch was a guy that loved God. He walked with God. And he had complete and total faith in God. And so it says, and we know that he never tasted death. And I've, I've said this story. The story goes that, 
you know, God and Enoch used to walk and talk all the time. And one day they went on an extra long walk, and it was getting late. And God said, well, you know what, Enoch, we're closer to my house than yours, so let's just go to my house. You know, and Enoch never died. So can I prove? No, by faith I believe that. You know why I believe that? I believe that because it's written in the Bible, right? There's a lot of things written in the Bible that it took me maybe a while to understand or to, to wrap my mind around. But I, I, by faith, believe everything that's in here because I see lives change simply by believing, right? Not, you know, it cracks me up when I go on Facebook because I get sucked into these things every, like, like people take a little bit of, like, uh, like uh, what is that show where you, uh, uh, um, where you pitch ideas? Um, Shark Tank. Like, they'll show, like, a really heavy person, and they'll show them, like, like, 10 seconds later, skinnier, and they're showing clips from Shark Tank, and you're like, Oh, well, everybody from Shark Tank must think this stuff works, right? Every ad you watch on Facebook is somebody trying to hawk some kind of book or some kind of potion to make you sexy, skinny, taller, better looking, get a better job, read better, right? But it's all a bunch of, come on, Mark, hocus pocus, right? It is. Yeah, right. But, but it's, it's like it's offering these things to you to make you feel better about who you are, but they don't work. They are gimmicks. What works is you open your wallet, you send them their money, and they give you nothing in return, right? I've shared this a million times before. When I was younger, I watched the Dianetics commercials by L. Ron Hubbard. Page 69, how to live a happy life. Page 72, get a better job. Page 34, marry a smoking hot woman. Whatever it was, I wrote all the pages down. On the, and I'm going to show my age now. On the back of the TV guide, right? <laughs> now, things were different back then. When you ordered something off TV, it was like four to six weeks. Right? Before they even got it. And then they had to cash your check. And then they had to process all that. So it was like months. Months. I remember the day I, I was working at a carpet store in Hayward. It was called the Carpet Mill. I remember I got home from work at the Carpet Mill. And I went to the mailbox. And my copy of Dianetics was there. I was stoked. I went up into my house. I got me a beer. Right? Smoked a little bit of pot. That's who I was. And I went to all those pages. And there was nothing there. That's when I learned what, like, like commercial licenses. We didn't mean those answers were actually on that page. We meant they're in the book. Well, I read the whole book, and I never found any of the answers, Right? So that was, that was like one of the very first rabbit trails I went on. I spent most of my life, the first 40 years of my life, going down these rabbit trails until I found the Bible. And things were true. I saw life's changing. I saw relationships restored, families restored, children restored. Um, so I was like, well, this is, this is what I need, right? You know, I don't, I think, I'm glad they don't advertise the Bible on TV, you know? 
page 27, how to have a better relationship with your wife. Now, the Bible is living and breathing, and it, it works, and it, and it speaks to us, and it, it talks to us. Um, so we know that Enoch went up with God. Um, now, before he, before he was taken, he was commended as having, have, his having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please who? To God. You have to put something into it, right? Do you lose, do you, do you gain muscle by going to the gym? No? You know, you can walk around and look at those machines all day, all you want, right? But until you get on a machine, pull the little pin and put it a little bit lower and start lifting weight, nothing happens, right? Until the, the fork stops going to, into the mouth, nothing happens, I, 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 can gear, I, I can speak for that one, right? It takes action on our part to make anything happen. If we want to know more about God and want to be involved in God and want to be in God's kingdom, we have to know who God is. You know, when you meet a woman or a man and you get into a relationship, you spend days on the phone. Days. I mean, days. I mean, just not, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. Yeah. Michelle and I used to fall asleep, you know, with just like breathing on the phone, you know, wake up hours later, you know, you know, isn't that what people do, right? You, you want you, man, you want to spend every second with them. You want to know everything about them, every intimate detail about them, you know, where they're from and what they like and what they don't like and this and that and that, you know, and everything. But then when we get into a relationship with God, we like, we don't spend the time that we need to find out, well, who is God? You know, what is you know, and it's, it's okay to say, well, what's in this for me? Because it, truly, what is in it for you? What is in it for you is eternity with God, a better life, restored relationships, restored friendships, a better self-esteem. People begin to trust you, look up to you. And doesn't that feel good when people start to trust you again when your kids call you, your kids come and see you, your grandkids come and see you? You get to fly to Utah or Idaho or Utah and pick up your grandkids and fly home. Yeah, that feels good. There was a time I wasn't even allowed to see my own kids because of my choices. But now that my choices are different and that by faith I believe in the Bible, by faith I believe that every one of you in here can have a different and a fulfilled and a complete life. Amen? Um, so it says, Forever who would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. we got to believe it. you got to believe that you're not just going through the motions, Right? You have to actually, because when you put your mind to it, don't you actually get something done? Like, I am going to do this, right? I am going, I am going to put everything into this, and I am going to do it. It's those times that when we become successful, isn't it? Like, because it's like, I, I have determined that I'm not going to do that anymore, and I have determined that I am going to do this. So therefore, I'm going to put all of who I am there, where your treasures are, where your heart is there, your treasures will be also, Right? So I'm going to put everything into this. My heart's going to follow that. God's going to follow that. God's going to bless that. God's going to be a part of that. And that's, that's the bottom line, is, is everything being all in. God wants us to be all in. It says God must believe, we must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God of coming events. I was blown away when I was a new believer. I was, I was a new believer. Michelle and I were, she was a newer believer as well. And we were like reading stuff together. And we were like blown away. Like, 
I remember one night we got out the Bible and said, let's just start at the beginning. And we're like, what is the firmament? What, what the heck is a firmament? I, I started calling people, what is a firmament? And I think, I, I think Pastor Skip kind of explained it the best. He goes, you know how you live in Pacific Grove and it's always kind of foggy? All that moisture around you. That's, that's kind of like the firmament. It's like moisture that's in the air. I'm like, okay. And then we went on to read about, about Noah. Noah was told by God, build a boat. A what? What is so unique about building a boat? Does anybody know? It never, and it never rained. A what? Build a what? That's going to do what? I mean, come on. There wasn't recreation back in those days. You didn't go, you didn't go buy a ski boat and ski on the lake, right? Am I right? There was, so there wasn't like recreation back then, right? So it's like build a boat. Okay. Now that takes faith. Build a boat. I don't even know what a boat is. So God explained it to him. Like I always tell people, do you want me to like draw you a picture? So God laid it out very clearly so that it could be drawn out so that it could be built to the exact specifications for what God wanted. Now that takes faith because it wasn't like Noah just went to the lumber yard and got a bunch of lumber and built the ark, Right? He had to, like, cut trees down and carve them and shave them and, start, and get people to believe in what he was doing and, and to help him. And what do you think all the people around him were saying? Oh, no, he's a nut job. See what that guy's doing? That guy's been building that boat for, like, forever. Right? Why? I, I don't know. He's just he's crazy like that. He's just like a nut. He's just building a boat. Mark sent me a, 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 one of my favorite Far Side cartoons. Um, I don't know if you remember sending it to me. It, 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 it showed Noah finishing the ark and the boat floating away. And there was a couple of dinosaurs standing on a, an, an island. And one dinosaur said to the other dinosaur, oh, crap, was that today? <laughs> you know? They missed the boat, right? They got left behind. But I'm not asking you guys to have the faith of Noah, but be willing to have faith. Be willing to say, well, this is kind of crazy. It's not something I would normally do, but okay, I'll do it. You know? And so it says, unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for saving his household. By this, he, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. All right, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to do it, and hopefully, hopefully I don't look stupid, right? But Noah, by faith, built a boat because he believed God, and, and by faith, Noah and his family carried on, carried on the race, right? Because we know that people were exceeding, exceedingly wicked, and it came to the point where God's like, I'm done with all of you, you know? Can you imagine that? I'm, I'm just done with you. We say that all the time, don't we? I'm done with you. Knock it off. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Get away from me. We had to get pretty bad where God got to the point where he said, dude, you need to build a boat because I'm going to put you and all these animals on it and I'm going to flood the world and destroy everybody. That's got to be getting pretty bad, right? I mean, I get mad at people all the time, but I, I, I never have gotten to that point. Thank God I don't have that kind of power, right? 
Imagine if we had that kind of power. We've all seen Bruce Almighty, right? You know, that's just all bad, right? The things we do when we have power, it's all bad. There's nothing good. So, um, verse 9, by faith he went to live in the land of, oh, sorry. Let me go back. Okay, verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go, play, go to a place and receive an inheritance. Now, this guy had everything, everything. He had everything. He had more stuff than anybody could ever need. And God said, I want you to pick up, pack up, and split. Where am I going? I'm not going to tell you. What do you mean? Where am I going? I'll tell you when you get there. Well, <laughs> where am I going? I'll tell you when you get there. Which direction do I go? Well, I'll tell you when you get there, right? I mean, we, we, we question, like, the most minor things, right? I mean, like, stupid stuff. These are people that gave up everything with no direction by faith and said, okay, I'm going to do what you ask me to do simply because you asked me to do it. Is that faith? I ask people all the time to do stuff. Just trust me. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Right? But we have to get up to a point in our life where we're willing to trust people, that we need to put people in our lives around us that we trust enough to listen to them, right? Like Ernst, I know Ernst is a mentor, right? So if I had a guy like Ernst in my life and I can look at him and say, this guy seems pretty normal. He's got a wife. He's got a couple of beautiful kids. He's got a good job. He seems reasonable. He seems sensible, right? He's got a crazy accent, right? What do you call the wind? What do you call windshields? A windscreen. Googled it. There we go. <laughs> Maybe not. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but if Ernst was in my life, I would probably say, this guy seems like he knows what he's doing. I, I should listen to him. Even if he tells me something that I don't want to hear, that I don't like, I should probably just based on who he is and what he's done and where he's come from, I should just listen to him. Amen? And that's what it's about. That's what we're talking about here. We're seeing people of old who just did it, right? This was long before Nike and long before the, you know, getting famous. This was like, just do something because I asked you to do it. Because there will be a reason and it will be all made clear to you at some point in time. And sometimes we just have rehab. Why do I go to rehab? Well, uh, well, just go, shut up and go, right? Because someday you will understand why you went because now you have people back in your life that you would have never had. You have people that trust you that would have never trusted you. You have respect that you would have never earned. You have people looking up to you that would have never looked up to you. And then you might be that mentor that tells that man or that woman, just do what I tell you to do because trust me in the long run. And, and that's what we just see story after story after story after story going through this section of Scripture. And um, we're not going to get through all of them because I'm going, going crazy here. But, but Abraham obeyed, and he, and he went, and he received an inheritance. And he went out not knowing the place that he was going. And by faith, he went and lived in the land of promise. Right? This guy ended up being totally blessed. Like, in so many ways, just by simply saying, all right, 
I'm going to go, right? I'm going to go. I don't want to go, but I'm going to go. Or maybe even, maybe you're not even saying you don't want to go. You're saying, but what, what, is, what is this going to do for me? You know, a year, a year, what's a year possibly going to do for me to change my life? It's not the year that changes your life. It's this, this right here. This is what changes your life. The year just gives you the time to get into it and understand it and explore it and by faith say, okay, this is what I need. The year is just how long it maybe takes you to get your head screwed on straight so you can start to understand there's something different out there for you, that you don't have to live like that anymore, that you don't have to do the things that you did anymore. Isn't that what it's about? So it's not about the length of time. It's about the willingness to understand, the willingness to explore, the willingness to dig in, the willingness to think differently than you've ever thought before. You believed somehow that a substance would change your life for the better. Well, how much harder is it to believe that an invisible being by the name of Jesus Christ will change your life for the better, right? You don't have to buy him by the gram, right? You don't have to meet somebody in a shady corner to learn about him. You just pick up a Bible, open it, and he's there, right? Right? Isn't that the whole deal? I mean, think of the, pe the people that we... The, the places that we met people to get things from them that we didn't even know where it came from, right? You're meeting some guy on some corner that's pulling some package out of some body cavity, right, that you're going to cook up and put into your body and believe that it's not going to kill you. Or that it's not, you know, I believe that and I ended up with a disease called necrotizing fasciitis, Right? I had to have 11 surgeries in 10 days because it was eating my flesh faster than they could, the surgeons could cut it off, right? So why did I, for an instance, believe that was safe? I was a paramedic, right? I, I would go start an IV on somebody and scrub them down with alcohol and dry it off and very cleanly put an IV in, but I'll go meet some dude on a dark corner and watch him pull something out of an orifice that I'm going to buy, that I'm going to go cook up, and I'm going to shoot into my body, and I'm going to believe that that's going to be okay? Now, that takes faith, right? <laughs> this is easy, right? I mean, it's the truth. This is, this to me, I can, this is way better faith, right? Way cheaper, too. Yeah, this is free faith, you know? Yeah. They're not selling bottles by, they're not selling Bibles by the gram, Right? You just, you just, you, you do it and you read it and you believe what it says, all right? By, so do that by faith, right? Verse 10, for Jacob was looking forward into the city that has found, his founders, excuse me, the foundations who the designer and the builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. And we're going to kind of wrap it up there, and we'll go back into that next week. But imagine being well, you know, and all of you women in here probably understand more than anybody else, you know. I mean, I know women that when they're like 35, they're like, oh, my God, I'm never having any kids. I'm, you, know, I, you know, my clock, you heard that your biological clock is winding down, right? Imagine being like, like 99, and you're still get, thinking about getting pregnant, <laughs> right? See, you're laughing. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. But if we know, we know the Bible story, we know that by faith that, that Sarah was going to have an heir. We know that. She thought it was funny, too. She thought it was, 
You know, are you laughing? No, I wasn't laughing. Oh, yes, you were. No, I wasn't. You know, and so I like, like I hear the chuckles over here, right? I hear people talk all the time about their biological clocks are running down. But by faith, Sarah believed that it didn't matter, even though she thought it was kind of maybe silly or funny or it wasn't going to happen in a way that she thought or believed. But I, I think she, she knew it would happen. But by faith, she made herself available for that to happen. And that's why, that's why the author is going through naming all these people, saying, look at this person and look at that person. I say it all the time. Look at Mark and look at Chelsea and look at Sammy and look at Eric. And I mean, I, I go back and I, I can point to dozens and dozens of people that I have watched come off the streets, out of prison, out of jail, homelessness, whatever, and I've watched them be successful because of their, their walk and their faith in Christ. So, I mean, I'm not reading out of a Bible, but I can talk about all these people that I know that have, that have walked the walk and have changed their lives dramatically. And I can call that the hall of faith for, for, the, for the bridge. But what the author here is saying, look at all these people that just simply by faith said, I'll do it. And look how it changed history. Look how it changed and blessed them personally. And look at how changing them and blessing them personally changed and blessed so many others around them. You don't know that the act you're going to do today is going to change somebody's life forever, right? I like when Pastor Jeff comes to it like, and meets a bunch of new residents, and they're like, one of you might, maybe not, probably not, but one of you might cure cancer, right? One of you might become a politician. One of you might become a doctor. One of you might become somebody important, or you might save somebody's life. But you're not going to do it by shooting up. You're not going to do it by getting high. You're not going to do it by stealing, lying, cheating. You're not. You're just not because you're not available to yourself. You're not available to your family. You're not available to be used by God. You're worthless at that point. It's only, it's only about you and it's only for you. So open yourself up. Stop being so, so selfish if that's what you're still doing and be open to be used by God. That's a great thing, isn't it? And maybe, you know, People are going to point at you and say, it's because of what Claudia did that changed what she did, and now look what happened. You know what I'm saying? You know, Michelle and I went to a, a program in Florida and, uh, when we're, before we started the bridge, and we said, how many times do you let somebody do the program? And they say, twice. Like, twice? Oh. I, have to, I have a hard time saying no, so I'm like, only Twice? What if you like really like no twice? What, no, no twice. Like twice. Well, well, there was this one time that this guy came through, and we kicked him out. Then he came back. We kicked him out again. Then he came back again. And we're like, no, the rule says twice. We're done. It's twice. Okay, so what happened? Well, he just kept coming back every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Until we got sick of him. We're like, sick of him. We're like, come on, you, you already had your twice. So they're like, well, what if? What if? What if? You're wondering too, right? Well, I won't wait till next week, I'll tell you now. Uh, 
They decided, okay, well, yeah, what if? And they brought him back in. They broke their own rules. This is time number three, dude. You better not blow it. They said he was perfect. He was inspiring. He was driven. He was motivated. He was awesome. He graduated. He inspired people. I said, well, where is he today? And they said he moved to Oklahoma or Arkansas. He has a, he, he passes of a church of over 1,000 people. Really? So what if he hadn't had that opportunity? Right? So if you're sitting here tonight, you have opportunity. I don't know what it is. I don't know how God's going to use it. I don't know what God's going to use you for. But be, please be open and available and be willing. Amen? So Lord, we thank you so much for your word, for the inspiration that comes from your word to give us that inner desire, Lord, just to be used by you mightily, just to do whatever it is you want to do with us.